fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Road Street, RoadStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to welcome on for the first time a man who needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyways here. That's Mr. Mike Clay of ESPN. He regularly appears on SportsCenter, Fantasy Football Now, and the Fantasy Focus podcast over there at ESPN. He was an original OG over at PFF, founding their fantasy department, creating now many mainstream advanced analytics such as ADOT, opportunity-adjusted touchdowns, also introducing wide receiver cornerback matchups. I mean, in short, this guy's just a fantasy revolutionary, blazing plenty of paths in the industry that so many of us now try to follow. So, Mike, thank you so much for coming on today with me. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, we're getting back to uh, normal, obviously, in, in the you know in this country, in the world right now. So, uh, you know, we're recording this a little, what, June 21st. I just got back from my brother's bachelor party, actually, awesome. in Atlantic City. So it was nice to get out and see everybody out having a good time. And, um, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's, it's nice. It's a good time. But um, I'm actually, I, you know, I apologize to you before the show. I'm like 10 minutes late because I'm still playing catch up. I mean, when you're in AC for the weekend. It's a, uh, it takes yeah. a little while to get back, uh, back on your, you know, <laughs> on your feet Absolutely. Uh, here. So, uh, but nonetheless, I appreciate you having me and I'm look for, looking, uh, I'm glad to be back kind of in the, the saddle here, back talking fantasy. No doubt. How's the, how's AC? Good time. Congratulations. That's, that's exciting stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah. My brother's bachelor party. Yeah. So he had, he had a great time. We took good care of him, uh, eat some good food, had a couple adult beverages and, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So AC's AC's back rocking now, as is uh, again most of the the world right now, which is great to see. Absolutely, uh, good to, good to hear. I know I agree with you too. Had a wedding over the weekend. Just seeing the world get back, it's nice uh, for sure. But I guess the uh, the viewers here are more interested in fantasy football for sure than our uh, fun times that we're having around here. And you're the king of projections over there at ESPN. You do them every week. You do them during the preseason. It's not just some, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's some computer just projecting things out. No, that's, you're the man behind the curtain doing all these excellent works, the award-winning projections you have over there. Uh, and as someone that's looking to get into that for the first time in the preseason here, can you kind of explain your process, your workflow, things you use, tools you use, you know, anything about your process that could kind of illuminate it and make me better when I get going for these? Yeah, I mean, I, I get asked this question a lot, and my answer is always, "How much time do you have?" Right? Because this could take hours. You know, we could yeah. do the whole show just on this. Um, but you know, in a nutshell, it's uh, a combination of uh, a you know, essentially a projection model that I built that does use some automated things that, again, are built by me using you know research and studies I've done on things like, just as an example, like how do you project a completion percentage for for every quarterback? Right? There's a, a model I built to do that. Uh, but there's also an element where I need to manually input things. Anyone who says, oh, yeah, I have a projection model. It's just all automated. I don't have to do anything. Don't trust that. That's that's garbage, to be straight honest. You have to have some sort, unless they have some sort of machine learning that can look through a, an updated roster for that week, even after like inactives are pulled out and then adjust target shares and that kind of thing. Unless it's on that level, then you should not be trusting that because there needs to be a manual aspect of it where 
year round. And I, as you, I'm sure you know, I have projections like 11, 10, 11 months of the year, because why not? You know, I'm always, you know, we know the roster. It's always a work in progress. There's always news in the NFL transactions and you have to start somewhere. So I'd basically just keep it uh, ready to roll year round. And I'm always tweaking and adjusting based on new research I've done or the trends of the league, the coaches, the schemes of coaching change, obviously is going to move the numbers around. Uh, Everything uh, is really affected. And honestly, you know, the, the Titans acquiring Julio Jones affects the Falcons. It affects the Titans. It affects every team on their schedule as well. It affects the league. You know, you, just the fact that the Titans are a little better, you know, hurts the Texans' chances of winning those two games and brings their odds and their win total down. And there maybe it ups, uh, you know, the the passing projection for them because they're going to have to throw more when they play the Titans. So the, all of those things are factored in on again on the league level, the team level, the the coordinator, the play caller, the player. It's a, a combination of a million different things. And uh, that's something that I spend a lot of time on in the offseason and during the season, during the week. So you're exactly right. If you see them projected numbers uh, when you're setting your lineup at ESPN, there's a reason why it's 6.1 and not 6.0. Everything yeah. is factored in and uh, it goes down to the, the smallest possible details you can imagine. So for better or worse, that's uh, that's the process. No stone un, uh, you know, unturned over there with uh, Mike Clay over at ESPN's Projections. Great insight there. And one of my favorite articles you do is it's not just using your projections, which are, are fantastic. I've been using them since you were over at PFF. Like I've, I've long followed your work, so it's just a thrill to even be able to talk to you here, uh, as I was saying at the top. But one of my favorite things you do every year, too, is you write a series about, I think this year might have been 50 or so notes uh, that you learn, these lessons you learn while going through your projections, while looking at the new coordinator situations and things of that nature, as you say, that change year to year that you can't just keep a, a set model running numbers from. There's things you have to manually enter. And you you such a good job summarizing these big stats and things that you looked at and what you learned. If you're looking back at that article or thinking back to while you were making your projections, it, do you have on the top of your mind someone who just really gained a lot of value that you might not have been expecting to be as high on? Uh, and why did they gain that value? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, ways I could go here, but I think talking about the Dallas offense is worthwhile yeah. because, you know, one of the things that I learned, well, really two things. One was, you know, I, I think because Dak Prescott missed most of the season and we're all like subject to recency bias, we forgot just how great they were all across the board when he was under center. They were averaging almost four touchdowns a game compared to under two a game when Prescott was out. And, you know, look, Dak was QB5 in fantasy. Zeke was RB3. I mean, think about that. I feel like everybody's down on Zeke right now. He was RB3 with Dak Prescott last season. Amari Cooper, wide receiver five. Believe it or not, he's never finished a season better than 10th. He was sitting there in the top five with Dak. CeeDee Lamb was 11th. Gallup was 33rd. Even Dalton Schultz, who was not supposed to be their number one tight end going into the season, was tight end 12 for the season. This was a an offense that was second in offensive snaps per game and pace of play. So they were, you know, Mike McCarthy came back as the head coach, decided we're going to run tons of plays. We're going to move fast. We're going to, you know, obviously score a lot of points. The offensive line is going to be healthier this season. They were missing a lot of guys last year. So it's uh, it's an offense that feels too big to fail. You know, they're too yeah. good to fail. They just have so many things going for them uh, in a, from a fantasy standpoint with, you know, so many plays and so many weapons. A healthier offensive line. I mean, the sky's the limit for this Dallas offense. And, you know, going through this and looking at all these little things, 
uh, is a worthwhile process because I think you'll learn a lot about uh, expectations for each team and, and the Cowboys, man. Uh, it's looking good for their offense this year. A hundred percent. I think that even harkens back to what you mentioned with Julio Jones going to the Titans, like a more explosive Cowboys also impacts all the teams they're facing. So it's only good news for everybody else around them because they're going to have to put up points and keep pace with this team that was second, as you said, in plays per game, points per game. It was a crazy pace. I didn't even realize almost four touchdowns per game. That's a wild stat. I think Ezekiel Elliott, I love that you shouted him too. He's creeping up towards my top four, five uh, by the day, he was around seven or eight. And the more and more I read about him, just the best shape of his his life right now and the offense taking another step. I love it. Um, I love all about that, that, all that information on the Dallas Cowboys. What about in terms of losing value? Were there any teams or players where you looked at the stats and you're like, oh man, I, I'm surprised, but just I, I got to bump these guys lower than I was expecting to have them. Was there anybody that pops to mind when you think of that? Yeah, I think the poster boy for regression to the mean in the touchdown department, or really across the board, is Robert Tunyon in Green Bay this season. So, you know, look, maybe five, ten years ago, you know, Tunyon was the kind of guy that would be drafted like tight end five or six, but the industry's getting a lot smarter. So this one's not as impactful as it might have been a while back when it was easy to go in and say, uh, you know, we we were just so dependent on where they finished the year before, right? We see all these touchdowns and – we see, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers' offense and Tunyon's going to, you know, he'll just do it again. And the industry drafts guys like that early. But we're learning more and more that, you know, extreme high efficiency is very hard to sustain. Yeah. And Tunyon, again, is the is the poster boy. Look, he was tight end four last season. He only saw 59 targets. That's just not even close yeah. uh, to a, a good number. Um, that's actually tied for fewest targets for a top 12 fantasy tight end over the past 12 seasons. Julius Thomas. Uh, was the last guy to do it. Uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski was was there as well. So, um, you know, it's just it's just crazy how few tight ends are able to pull off tight end one seasons with that little vo- little volume. And if you look at, you know, the following season for these guys that had extremely high efficiency stats, they all plummet back to earth. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll, I'll give you, again, this is on the article. I don't want to go too into the weeds here. Um, but if you look at, uh, 2009 to 2019, it's 11 seasons, 29 tight ends had a touchdown rate at or above eight and a half percent on 50 or more targets, and then saw 50 targets the next season of the 29, 27 saw a lower touchdown rate the next season, 27 scored fewer touchdowns. So, uh, and, and by the way, one other nugget, you know, cause the pushback is, well, he did so well, they're going to throw it to him. All right. Only 10 of those 29 actually saw more targets the next season. Mm-hmm. So there's no guarantee that's coming. Um, and, and again, just efficiency across the board is definitely going to crash back to her. So if you're taking Tunyon and you think, ah, he's, you know, he's being undervalued now, he was tight in four last year. You know, I think he could do it again with more volume. It's not, you know, you can't assume that you really, you, you, you hope for it, but, uh, even if Aaron Rodgers is back, it's going to be hard for him to come close to what he did last season. Absolutely. That's the big F too nowadays, right? Like that's, you know, who knows if he's going to even be back. Right. Um, right. A hundred percent. So yeah, automatically going to regress. And then who knows, could be even harder of a regression. I love that. You cannot just assume because he was top five last year, it's going to happen again. Absolutely. Uh, What about in terms of most surprising or like important data or trend from 2020 that as you were studying, you were pretty shocked. You're like, oh man, I did not expect this. Uh, But this nugget kind of caught me off guard. And it is a pretty important one. Does any pop to mind when I ask you that question? Well, you know, when I first do that batch of projections right after the season, like I'm already working on the next year after week 17, now week 18 ends, uh, yeah. you know, during the playoffs, getting setting up shop for the next year. And this year, obviously, there was 
uh, a lot more work because I had to adjust everything to add the new week into the model. So, um, you know, I, I go through that whole process and then I do my first, you know, my first update uh, of the projections, my initial run. And, you know, there's always guys that pop out, right? There's always guys that are like, oh, that's way too high. Like that guy cannot be that high or this guy's too low. And I have to do a little, little further digging and find out why that is. Sometimes it's like, okay, maybe I missed something. I need to make an adjustment to fix it. Um, but generally it's okay. That makes sense. You know, it's, it's logical. So uh, one of those guys is Tua, right? Mm. So uh, when I was done my model, I was like, wow, Tua's kind of hanging right around like the top 12, 13, kind of in that range. Like maybe he could jump in and be a weekly starter in fantasy this year. Um, but, you know, you look at uh, the success of the rookie quarterbacks last year, relatively speaking, right? Uh, and by that, I mean, relative to rookie quarterbacks over say the past decade, and they all did a very good job. Like Tua was around mid-pack and efficiency. Joe Burrow, uh, about the same. Justin Herbert was obviously off the charts. He was outstanding. Um, but, you know, the the league as a whole, the, you know, scoring was up. Quarterback play was up. Um, so it kind of overshadowed just how well these this, this, this uh, rookie class did. And, and again, you know, Tua, uh, Tua, including rushing at 14 total touchdowns, only five interceptions. You know, his YPA wasn't so good, but he, you know, he was about – average for an NFL starter in terms of completion percentage. And again, compared to rookies, he did a nice job. So um, he's one of the guys that pops out. He can add a little bit with his legs. He has a much improved uh, group of weapons around him. I don't think their defense is as good as advertised. I think that's going to kind of come back to earth a little bit since they led the NFL in forced turnover, something that's just not sustainable now, no no matter how good the defense is. Uh, And that's going to put more pressure on the offense. So look, if he plays if he's not a total bust, I think he's going to surprise in fantasy this year and you can get him late in your draft. And he's the kind of guy you go after, right? You know, you think about, you know, what were characteristics of guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, you know, these uh, breakout quarterbacks. And it was, you know, like young guys going into year two and you could generally get them in the mid to late rounds of your draft, usually the late round of your draft. So uh, he's the kind of guy that can make a huge leap this year and has the support around him offensively. And, and he's certainly on my radar. Absolutely. If, if Waddle and, and Fuller can both stay healthy, that speed they've added, both you know going deep and then after the catch as well, I could see some some huge things from two with those new weapons upgraded. Plus the division getting better as well, more competition, more points. As we keep kind of emphasizing, other teams that you're facing, the opponents play just as big of a role. So fantastic. Uh, I, I'm with you there. I think two is significantly undervalued. Is there anybody else that you've projected that you think you're pretty significantly higher than the consensus ECR or the industry right now uh, that you want to shout out at any position? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the most undervalued player in fantasy right now is Logan Thomas, uh, for Ooh. sure. I mean, you look at the top group of tight ends or at least the tight end ones, and like you have Travis Kelsey round one, and then you know round two and three, you get into Darren Waller and George Kittle. And then it's like round five and six is Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, the rookie. And then suddenly you plummet to Logan Thomas in round nine, at least on my board. You have Dallas Goddard round seven, Noah Fant uh, round eight. I have them actually after Thomas, but Thomas mm. just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's it's kind of inexcusable that the number three scoring tight end from last year has fallen to the ninth round. And it's not like Robert Tunyon where you're like, well, he, he was barely targeted. I mean, Thomas's volume was massive last year, right? Yeah. I mean, he played 92% of their snaps. Uh, he was actually number one at tight end in snaps in pass routes last season. He was near the top in targets, receptions, uh, top 10 in yardage, touchdowns, expected touchdowns, end zone targets. I mean, he was below four targets one time last season and hit seven and eight of uh, almost half of his games last year, including the playoffs where he had nine targets. So uh, he's a huge part of that offense. 
Um, and he did it with, he had a, he had a top 10 fantasy week with four different quarterbacks. Yeah. None of those four are week one starters this season. I mean, it was really yeah. impressive what he pulled off last season. He has a better quarterback with Ryan Fitzpatrick now, who's a gunslinger. He'll push the ball downfield. Uh, he'll make mistakes fine, but for fantasy, we love him because he'll get, he'll get his <laughs> weapons to football. Um, and you know, I, of course the pushback is, well, they added guys around him, right? But is that really a factor? I mean, they threw almost 30% of their passes to the running back last season, right? That's where you would expect that number to come down this season. They were only around league average and tight end targets. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, you know, with guys like Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys and, and a third round rookie uh, Brown in the mix there, I don't think that he's uh, a major threat for a big drop in target share, maybe a slight one fine. But, you know, this was the case. This was the argument last year for Darren Waller, right? Or against Darren Waller. Everybody was down on him. He was a huge value in fantasy drafts because everyone was afraid of Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, a third round rookie. Uh, and obviously we saw how that played out. Waller's target share went up and he had a, a terrific season. Uh, and I think that uh, Logan Thomas is being knocked down draft boards uh, unreasonably. It just doesn't make sense for me. So he's a guy for sure that jumps out. I like that one a lot too. And as you mentioned, Fitzmagic taking over. If that offense Sure, the target share goes down a little bit, but if the quality goes up because they're in the red zone that much more often, the aggressiveness goes up higher. He's dealing down the seams more regularly. I mean, he's a freakish athlete. He was, I believe, a converted receiver at one point, uh, Logan Thomas. So he can certainly uh, get deep with the best of those seam stretchers. So I, I like it a lot. Even if the exact target numbers goes down, I think the, the quality is going to exponentially increase. So I am fully with you there. Uh, and the last one that I want to uh, ask is who are you lower on um, when you were doing your projections than you think the, the consensus average might be right now? Yeah, there's a few of those. I think the guy that really jumps out is James Robinson, who I have 29th on my board and is going in the fourth round right now, which, I, you know, I, it doesn't really add up to me. I, I don't know how he's going to pay that off with a first round running back, Travis Etienne in the mix, not to mention that they're talking about working Carlos Hyden as well. So uh, look, I'm not, I'm not too afraid of Heidi is a, a pretty low projection on my board, but Robinson's numbers just don't add up to paying off a fourth round ADP. He's going to have to score a ton of touchdowns and have really high end efficiency. And I'm not sure that happens in a, in an offense that's going to be a work in progress that has a rookie quarterback, uh, not, a, not an offensive line that jumps out by any means. So it's just going to be tough. And, and we see this all the time with guys who, you know, maybe get a decent chunk of carries, but, don't do a ton in the passing game. And, and I'm sorry, I just can't imagine that Robinson's going to be out there stealing pa uh, all kinds of passing down work from Etienne when they spent no. that pick on him. It's just that history doesn't uh, say that makes sense. And, you know, the, the talent level discrepancy, you know, the raw talent, the raw ability discrepancy doesn't make uh, a lot of sense either. So um, I prefer Etienne of that group, even if you flip them around and you say, well, I'm going to give more work to Robinson, less to Etienne. Still, round four is tough uh, when you're talking about guys who, could be full timers like Miles Gaskin, maybe Chase Edmonds, you know, get uh, more of a workload, certainly in passing situations. And, you know, you can also get guys like Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery in the fourth round. You know, uh, how about Mike Davis, who yeah. could be a, you know, I'm not, I'm not really super high on, but he's going two rounds later and he should theoretically see more touches than James Robinson based on the look of those depth charts this season. So, uh, you know, I think he's a guy is, is one of a handful of guys that shows up pretty low pretty low relative to everyone else in my projections. Yeah. Fourth round price tag. That would be absurd. And they've even talked about using Carlos. It's one thing if he was the only early down back had all the goal line carries, but they've already talked about getting Carlos Hyde and urban Meyer stand over uh, going there as well. I, it seems to me like a nightmare. I'm with you target the pass catching guy 
uh, and the, the rookie there. Absolutely. Uh, well, I do love the chance, Mike, if you don't mind, to run you through the no huddle offense where I'm going to give you 20 quick hit, you know, first name that pops to mind or, or answer. No need to explain them all. Just write what comes to mind. You got a, a quick two minutes or so to r- rifle th- through that with me? Sure, let's do it. All righty. In order, the first three picks in every 2021 draft should be? Um, I have uh, McCaffrey, Cook, and Barkley. Travis Kelsey should go no later than pick number? Let's see, I could cheat. I could just use my board here. So I'm going uh, I'm going eight, uh, but I wouldn't crush you if you went a little earlier, but uh, he's eighth on my board. The next Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen will be? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to just give some love to uh, Justin Fields. Let's say he breaks out in year two. We'll, uh, we'll go Fields. The rookie 101 should be? The rookie 101. I have Chase. I'm not going to crush you if you go Pitts there, though, but uh, I do have Chase at one. Who do you think will flop the biggest from this rookie class? Uh, you know what? I like this one. I think I, I could have went this way answering your your earlier question about guys I'm low on. Uh, you know, I think Michael Carter is is one that makes makes sense. You know, we don't even know if this guy's good. You know, he's a fourth round pick. Those guys usually don't pay off. Uh, so I think he makes sense. And even Amon Ross St. Brown, too. Uh, again, a lot of people thinking, well, he, he could be the one for Detroit, but you know, there's some some pretty strong evidence that, you know, day three and undrafted rookie wide receivers are pretty useless in fantasy. There's almost like Tyree kills, like the only one that has paid off in the past decade. Yeah. So I think those guys people are reaching on and this applies to rookie drafts, too. Uh, I think those guys are are the ones that scare me most. Who do you think is a mid rounder you could see ascending to those early rounds in next year's drafts? Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, interesting question. I mean, naturally it would probably be, uh, you know, a rookie, I would say, uh, you know, it could be a second year guy. How about Jerry Judy? I think he's worth a mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even Corlin Sutton, you throw in that conversation too. You know, they're going round round seven, eight in that kind of range right now. Uh, Judy's a guy that, you know, has superstar upside. You can get him in the mid rounds right now. He could be that next breakout player. It's going to come down to quarterback play, of course, for them this year. Love that one. Free agent who's going to crush in their new home this year. Oof, free agent that's going to crush this year. Um, man, uh, let's see. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, how about Kenny Galladay, right? He's just, mm-hmm. he was just so good in Detroit. Uh, you know, he goes to New York now. I think the targets will be there. I think that's a, I think that's an easy one. That's a, that's a, yeah. Taking the easy road on that one. I like it. Early rounder, first or second that you think will bust the hardest this year. Oh man, these ones are always tough because you know yeah. it's just it's just your your instinct. You know, sometimes when you're drafting, you have your board and you're like, oh, I don't feel great about taking this guy, uh, and then that's the guy that's always like your best player, right? I right. mean, it's just how <laughs> how fantasy goes. Um, you know, man. Um, I'll say, uh, man, I don't have a I don't have a good. How about oh, how about Derrick Henry? How about Derrick Henry? He worries me because guys his age just haven't really panned out in fantasy for a long time. Uh, not to mention guys that have seen the volume that he has seen, right? The, you look at the touch leaders at running back over the past duck, decade and what they did the next year, and it's pretty ugly. So, mm. you know, I'm a little nervous. You know, it got, it's so hard for running backs to hold up for, you know, two full seasons, let alone three. And he's going, he's, you know, he's, you know, racking up a, a ton of touches each of the past two seasons. Yeah. Can he do it three years in a row at his age? You know, history says no, but maybe he's a unicorn. So we'll see. He's been a popular answer on here, so you're not alone on that one. Um, 
last two here, most important. So especially for someone projecting like you, who, what do you really have your eyes on in terms of a training camp story or battle that could change your projections? What's the most important thing for us to monitor? Mm, yeah, there's again, a million different ways we could go here, uh, including, you know, who's going to be the quarterback for Houston and green Bay, you know, stuff <laughs> like that is obviously massive. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, sorting out running back depth charts is obviously a pretty important one. You know, I want to see if like a guy like Antonio Gibson is in fact handling more uh, passing down work because, you know, if, if he sees a boost to say a 15, 18% target share, which is possible when you consider what JD McKissick saw last year, yeah. and he still handles say 60% of the carries, 65% of the carries, you know, still scores a, you know, a bulk of the, their rushing touchdowns this guy's the limit. You know, he could be a guy. I think he's one of the few guys that has number one overall running fantasy running back upside, right? Like he could be that breakout player that joins that conversation um, this year. So, uh, yeah. you know, he's a guy I'm going to be keeping a pretty close eye on because I want to get him on, on as many teams as I can. Awesome. We'll wrap up here with your boldest 2021 fantasy football prediction. And just a reminder to our listeners where they can find your work and connect with you. <laughs> That's funny. I should have saved Gibson for that. So my bold right. prediction would be Gibson is the number one scoring fantasy uh, running back this season. That's exactly where I would have went with that. So uh, that'll be the bold prediction uh, for sure there. Awesome. And then where can our listeners find your work and connect with you? Yeah, sure. On Twitter at Mike Clay NFL. And of course, head over to ESPN.com, ESPN Plus. Uh, always, uh, you know, content flying in over there. And, you know, I already have my lineup for all the stuff I'm going to write this offseason. I'm already chipping away at it. So uh, lots of uh, good stuff to come over at ESPN.com. Awesome. Well, Mike, I, this was, as I said, I've been reading you for years and years now. So just the chance to ch chat with you here was truly a pleasure. I really, really thank you for giving me the time here. Uh, thank you so much for all the insight and everything. It was, it was an absolute pleasure, Mike. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll do it again sometime. Take care. Awesome. Thanks again. Best of luck, Mike. See you later. All righty. And Wolfpack, thank you guys so much. As always, after the guest sign off, I do love to answer your questions uh, and go deep into, let me get the uh, animation here. The mailbag. So any questions, comments you guys have had, I love to field here. But thank you once again, Mike, uh, an industry legend, a guy I've looked up to and read for so long. So 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 cool that, that this thing I've started a few years ago, I have the chance to talk to these original just legends of the game. It's awesome. <laughs> Mike's video quality equals crap. Yeah, he's on the way back. I got, I got to be a little understanding there. He's on the way back from a bachelor party, still joining this podcast. Uh, you got to give him props there. I'm definitely certainly going to be after that. That's why he's talking to the void there, being 824 forever. Uh, because <laughs> man said black square. Exactly. Uh, but he had a bachelor party for his brother. He's coming home from um, and still was kind of uh, en route. So the fact that he was able to give us that much insight and whatnot, just goes to show you the, the brainiac, as you guys say, he lives in the void. The only way he can get his projections done. He's the brainiac. <laughs> I love it. But any questions you guys now have, please let me know. A lot of good uh, commentary going on here. I'm worried about Pollard's involvement with Zeke. Pollard was more involved last year than I would have liked. Uh, Mohamed. Great to see you, by the way. I love all the comments you've been putting on the videos and stuff. I don't know if you're new to us or you're just getting more active these days, uh, but it, it's not unnoticed. I appreciate you. I see your questions, your comments, um, and that you're here today. So thank you so much, bud. Uh, yes, Pollard's great. And that's the thing is that worries me a little bit about Zeke is how good Pollard is, especially when he took over as the lead back. Even in that gross situation, Zeke was kind of floundering and Pollard took his opportunities and had what, like a, a league winning week 15. It was insane. 30 something points, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, Pollard's good. He's legit good. 
the thing is, is if you look back at the snaps when Dak was healthy, when Zeke was healthy, everything was clicking. I, I believe Zeke was right around like 80 to, to percent or so of the snaps and touches. Pollard was getting in there every now and again on third down, but Zeke was seeing more targets than he ever had. And this was a Zeke that looked a little sluggish, didn't look like he even really deserved the work and was still out there getting it all. Now all the reports are Zeke is healthier. He's flying around there. He's in the best shape he's ever been in. And I get everybody's in the best shape of their career right now. But for a guy like Zeke where, you know, some days we can literally just see the stomach. Some days he's completely ripped and shredded. Those rookie season Zeke. And we saw what happened. Led the league in rushing as a rookie. Then we see him come back a little tubby. Doesn't look as as thick, you know, as, as always. And he has his worst years, right? So he's a player I actually pay attention to those. I, I'm buying a 70% involvement Zeke. You know, 30% of Tony Pollard is going to be a little bit of a detriment, but I'm not um, I'm not bumping him down. I think he's going to land right at number five for me on my big board. Reason why we can't see him, just black screen on his end. Yeah, as we were saying, Mitch, uh, he just uh, couldn't put his video on because he's on the way home from a bachelor party. So understandable. I don't like Logan Thomas much because of the addition of Samuel. They also have a better team causing more positive game plans running the ball late. True. I, I think I see that positive game flow, and that's why I'm actually a little bit higher on uh, Antonio Gibson. As Mike just said, could be the number one player in fantasy this year. Insane, and I love that type of boldness over there from Mr. Clay. Um, but I don't think Samuel is going to necessarily kill him. Sure, it's going to avoid some targets, but we see a lot of these teams like that even when they're blowing out teams, your Chiefs over the years and whatnot, they still play at such a high pace and, and push the ball. I could see the, the Washington football team really taking over that level of play this year. I mean, they were eighth in pace last year with the most conservative possible quarterback in Alex Smith. You know, they, they really tried to push this fast pace, uh, you know, I think eighth and also uh, pass plays per game. I can see, you know, you give a gunslinger like Ryan Fitzmagic that same exact offense with better weapons around him. I think a lot more chances for Logan Thomas to score touchdowns. Certainly, at least I get maybe a slight drop down. He's not going to be the tight end three again. But what Mike, I think, was emphasizing, he was the tight end three, and now he's going in round nine as like the tight end 11. But his situation isn't really that much worse, a little more competition, but certainly a bigger come, you know, upgraded quarterback. Those two things definitely offset each other for me. I think that's a great value on Logan Thomas. I personally am getting TJ Hawkinson around like six every draft anyways, round five late, you know, I can't believe he's fallen there, but still, if I miss on him, I would totally give a look to Logan Thomas in that round nine range. I, I really like that call. Bye, uh, Mike. What's up, Mr. Preble? Great to see you, brother. Antonio Brown. I don't know what your question is, Mitch, but I like it. Um, free agent that's going to crush Curtis Samuel. I like that one, Jerry. Uh, I, I think, you know, we're reuniting with Ron Rivera. They were obviously together over there with um, Carolina and OC Scott Turner over there, North Turner's son. He took over the Panthers those last few games. That's when we really started seeing Samuel lined up in the backfield, motioning all over the place, being used as like a gadget and deep threat. Like he's got the full skill set. I love Curtis Samuel. I've always been a diehard of this guy. I think he's been misused for years. He finally saw that volume he deserved last year. I think it was only behind Stefan Diggs in terms of carries and combined uh, targets opportunities total. Uh, I think we might see a little downgrade in that type of insane usage, but I think the quality uh, with Ryan Fitzmagic letting him go deep with this offense, I really do like uh, this that play caller. I like Curtis Samuel a lot. Um, I just like this whole offense. That's why I love Ryan Fitzmagic. He goes the end of fantasy drafts, the last pick. He's my league winner this year is Ryan Fitzmagic. One, you'll have to root for him, but two, these weapons and that pace and this offense, I think it could be a bonanza. How we feel about JT? Uh, 
I like him. I find I haven't landed it. I mean, obviously you love the player, Daniel. Like you, you can't not like uh, Justin T- uh, um, <laughs> blanket on it, but the, the Colts running back there, Taylor. Yeah. Of course you love the player. I mean, when you watch him get unleashed, he looks like one of the best running backs in the league already as a rookie, the cuts you're seeing is surprising cat pass catching ability. My worry is, are they really going to truly unleash him? And I get, you know, Marlon Mack, Achilles, nobody comes back from Achilles, but they did sign him. And already the beat reporters are like, they're mixing him up and it's, you know, they bring different elements. So they're going to, and we saw that all last year. It took a Jordan Wilkins injury, Jordan Wilkins injury for them to actually hand the reins over to uh, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, come on, like Jordan Wilkins, that's your option. Like we already have Marlon Mack get down. Why is there even anybody else? Hines was still involved as a pass catcher and he's still going to be involved as an obnoxious pass catcher. We know that uh, with JT. So uh, to me, I'd rather have acres. Like if a push comes to shove, give me the guy that had competition removed, Malcolm Brown, goal line guy with acres in an offense that I think is only ascending with Matthew Stafford getting there. You know, Wentz, I have much more questions about Wentz in that offense than I do Matthew Stafford in the offense there. So I find myself not landing JT. I'm a little bit lower on the industry, not on him as a player. You told me he was going to be the 70 to 80% guy. I'd probably have a number three overall. That's what we saw at the end of last year when he was finally given that role. But he was given that role because Jordan Wilkins got hurt. And the fact that I even have to say that is sickening. <laughs> and and Mohammed agreeing that Curtis Samuel will be that guy. I like it. Thank you, Mitch. I'm glad you uh, enjoyed the, the show as well. Uh, man, what's up? No, too. Great to see you. Love that you're going to be here all off season. I cannot wait. You were here all last year. It's great. You always bring the heat. Good questions. Good commentary. I love it. Hope all is good. Great job getting him joined. Thank you, Mitch. It was a great, uh, it was thrilled that he responded. I was in his Scott Fishbowl League last year, and I just took a Hail Mary. I was like, hey, man, I know the summer's busy. Maybe you can join. He said, not this year, but I'd love to come on next year. What a guy, too. Just, get, you know, again, coming off a bachelor party to join the uh, the show here. It, was, it just goes to show you. There's some, so, so many good people, even the big names in the industry. Uh, you love to see it. Logan Thomas or Kyle Pitts redraft. Oh, Mahan, I got to go Kyle Pitts. Uh, I like Logan Thomas. I've already been waxing some poetic about liking him in the ninth round, but I have Kyle Pitts round four or five. Like him, it's to me, it's more so Hawkinson or Pitts. Like I'm going off in a tight end there. And if Pitts and him are still there, I, I typically go Hawkinson, but I'm starting to think I, I love this guy, Pitts. I mean, he is comped to Calvin Johnson, like in terms of six foot four, running a fast 40. But the, the way he is big, but plays big still, like he's so long and is still leaping over people. You can't stop that. You get a creative tight end coach with Arthur Smith, who's made the most out of John New Smith, Delaney Walker, uh, the guys that aren't even close to the athlete that Kyle Pitts are. And then Julio Jones is removed. You know, Calvin Ridley, yeah, he's a beast. He's going to be the number one target there. But Pitts could very well be the, the 1B to his 1A and maybe even be the 1A. It's tricky as a rookie because, you know, rookie tight ends don't typically pan out. But I don't think we're going to see him used as a tight end. I think he's going to be split out wide. They're going to use that big frame and just let them chuck. Um, and that's what all the reports are in practice too, right? I don't know if you've been seeing those OTA reports. Like the new car, they want to get out for test drives. They're just running him over and over. The most frequent targeted in all drills, especially in the red zone. Like I, I could see him just coming right out and – you know, the rookie yardage record, I think, is 880 by Jeremy Shockey. I think that's going to be beaten by uh, Kyle Pitts and potentially by a decent margin here. I absolutely am with it. You are pretty new. Good. Yeah, it's it's good. to. I love getting new blood in the Wolfpack, especially ones engaged and active as you, Mom. And um, Hopefully I'm saying that right, too, by the way. I apologize. If not, let me know if so. Uh, but, yeah, it's good to see you around and asking lots of questions and being engaged with us. That's all we ask for as fans. 
Uh, do you see CH breaking out much more uh, and consistently this year? Yes. I've talked about him a few times, Mitch. I love CEH this year. He's one of my favorite values towards the end of round two. Um, I have him right neck and neck with Antonio Gibson, who we just heard Mike rave about, again, number one overall potential. And I agree with him. I mean, if they use him as their Christian McCaffrey at Ron Rivera, that they used to use um, when they were in Carolina, if they make Gibson that role, sky's the complete limit for him. Um, but I find myself more often going CEH, line improvements. No more Le'Veon Bell headaches. Uh, Darryl, the fact that they got rid of Williams, who they loved, uh, Damian Williams for so long. If you know, the fact that they're willing to get rid of him tells you the comfort level. And we've seen Andy Reid's offense, whether it was Brian Westbrook, whether it was LaShawn McCoy, rookies never tend to take to it in year one. And Hilaire didn't have that bad of a year as good as he had bad year relative expectations. If you passed up on a Henry or you passed up on a, a Dalvin, right? Then of course he had a horrible year, but if you just look at it in a vacuum, like it was a decent successful rookie year. He had a lot of bad luck on the goal line, running behind a awful, like, you know, the 32nd, you know, <laughs> right at the, the, the bottom 30 of the uh, run blocking team. So he was getting blown up all the time. You go and you, you trade for Orlando Brown. You get a huge upgrade there. You get Kyle Long, who's hurt now, but it you know, could be back. They draft that center, uh, fell as hard as can be. They signed Joe Tooney. Like, I mean, this line is going to be going from one of the worst to potentially top 15, maybe even top 10 unit in the league. Uh, and you, you don't need me to tell you how good an offense with Pat Mahomes is, even if he lost a couple wideouts out wide. And all the reports, too, in camp, they're using their running backs to compensate for that lack of receiver with Sammy Watkins leaving there. There's, they're seeing Kyle Richler go out wide more. And I just think we're going to see a huge usage and comfort level and line improvement bump. That's all three of them are combined for a perfect storm with Hilaire. And we're going to get what we thought last year, where we thought he was number four. We're going to get those numbers, but we're going to be able to get him at the end of round two, early round three. Sign me up for that all day. I'm all in on the bounce back here. One QB leagues. You have Murray Tannehill. Should I move on from one of them? I, I don't see why you have to move on. If you get a good price, sure. Uh, you're not going to get fair value for Tannehill. He's always undervalued, um, even with the Julio Jones news. But it, there's no real reason to, especially with Murray, a, a decent injury risk, the way he's small and runs around all the time. I wouldn't be in a rush to move them, Daniel, but of course it depends on what you're uh, getting for fair value. Noah Gray is getting a lot of hype. I saw that, the tight end. Um, Mitch, I don't think it's going to take away from Kelsey, though. What I consider this is maybe we got a handcuff for Travis Kelsey. Sure, this guy might catch a random touchdown here or there. Uh, to me, this is more so like a very late, deep, deep, you know, you have 20-round drafts uh, type of sleeper or in rookie-only drafts. I love adding this guy to my big board, Noah Gray. I've been reading a lot of that stuff, though, Mitch. Um, and to me, what it is is he's more of a handcuff. Uh, maybe catches a few standalone touchdowns. But I like the idea of sitting this guy on my bench, and if anything ever happened to Kelsey, uh, he could end up scoring seven, eight touchdowns in a Mahomes offense. So good name to toss out there. I like it. Thoughts on Singletary, late-round RB gem? I mean, he's the guy that you want to target if you're going for late-round running backs um, because it's an explosive offense. You, we've seen him put up decent numbers. But I think it's Zach Moss's job and even you know whoever it is job I don't love it. They're so pass happy, four wide. They they were so successful with that. I don't see them moving away from it. They had Brito, who could ultimately be more explosive than either of these guys. It's not a backfield I love, and that's kind of crazy when you have a an offense that was top three in points scored last year, and probably will be again given all the continuity, especially in play quality there. So if if somebody did pan out of these three, then they would be a monstrous value. I don't think it's going to be Singletary if someone does. And I don't think either of the, any of the three do. So no, I, I'm not, I'm not in there. 
Keep hammering the podcast. Love it. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you tuning in every time, man. I think you're Pitt Steel City, if I'm not mistaken, right? Good to see you. You're, you're always here, and I really, really appreciate that. Coach Rivera, old school, run the ball, kind of coach defense and run, I think. I uh, like Gibson, though, worried about uh, the toe is always – you hate to see that type of stuff, right, Mohammed? Absolutely. And, Wolfpack, I haven't uh, even asked for it because I was just so – you know, Mike had 25 minutes. I had to get him in and out. But if you don't mind, if you're catching the replay, you're here with us live, and you haven't given us a thumbs up, a like, or a share, you know, retweet any of that good stuff, it does help us out so, so much. Uh, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. But, yeah, I mean, that Rivera, he gets that that kind of – you know, stereotype or whatever you want to call it, this this reputation as this run-heavy, ground-and-pound defensive guy. But Riverboat Ron likes offense. He's always been that way. Think about Cam Newton's rookie season, uh, the way he lo- lit it up. He wants to put up points. That's his his goal is, is eating on offense and going for it. Last year, again, with the most conservative QB play, they were you know, top 10 in pass attempts and top 10 in pace. And they they were had an anchor tied to them with Alex Smith, um, who loves to just check it down and keep it simple. I think Scott Turner is is a one of the better up and coming play callers. I think this year he's going to truly be able to show that off. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this offense. And I, I don't necessarily agree that Rivera is this like ground and pound defense and run. You know, he loves the run. He loves McCaffrey had the 400 something touches under him, but he also likes to air these things out, get deep. Um, and put up points. And I uh, I think that the Washington football team is going to end up finishing the year top six in points uh, in most certain projection for like top 16 numbers or so. So I, I'm a big, big believer in the football team this year. AB for another late draft pick that was – oh, yeah, 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 Mitch. That's a good toss out. You know, who who else was good? It might have been – I don't know if it fit the time frame he set. You know, he might have said the net last like six or seven years, and AB was a few years behind that. But, yeah, obviously one of the best late-round receivers you could ask for. Uh, great interview. Wolf was wondering best receivers to take a shot on late. Ooh, off the top of my head, best receivers to take a shot on late. <clears throat> well, I'm always a fan trying to figure out like who could be the alpha of a group that we just don't really know yet. So you look at like the Jets, for example, and Elijah Moore and all these practice hype steam. Every single day we're getting dominating red zone drills, dominating deep, another deep catch down the field intermediate the go-to guy the rapport between them off the field about Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore going to dinner together um the all, all that stuff the track record of Ole Miss like I just I think Elijah Moore is going to be one of those guys I own on every team similar to Rashad Bateman too these rookies that could just immediately walk in and be these number one weapons I love um so figuring out who's the number one for the Jets maybe maybe Crowder's in his way because he's going to stay now I think it ends up being Elijah Moore over Corey Davis overcrowder. Um, I do like Bateman emerging as the number one for Lamar Jackson. I think that offense could take another step. Yeah, it's the run heaviest. Greg Roman doesn't like the best. Well, we've seen Michael Crabtree and Anquan Bolden have many successful thousand yard, six to eight TD seasons. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Bateman did that as a rookie this year, um, given they have nobody else really to throw to. He is their true security block. I'm writing about it right now. Actually, uh, started it before the show. I'm going to finish it when we hang up what he could do for this offense. I think it changes everything there. I mean, I also like, you know, maybe the, the Lions target share. If anything happened to Hawkinson, right, who are they throwing to? Maybe Brashad Perriman um, as a guy. Let me know, Paul, who are some late round receiver guys that are on your radar? Um, I haven't fully made my, like, every year I make a penny stock list. I'll be releasing it this summer of running backs, of receivers that I love. Those are the ones that pop straight to mind right now. Um, but uh, let me know some of your favorites, Paul. I'm happy to uh, to touch base on them. Who do you like better if it was a significant injury to Scary Terry or DJ Moore, Diami Brown or Terrace Marshall? 
Ah, a lot of hypotheticals going on there, right? Forest law. Um, I would say I like Marshall a little better because I think Curtis Samuel would be the true number one. We know Robbie Anderson's already the true number one there though. Um, but, but we saw how much the, the Panthers passed last year. And now, you know, you have a hypothetical QB upgrade than Teddy Bridgewater, who just really d- did not pan out. I was so high on him. And he's I should have recognized him. But Teddy Bridgewater's not that good. Uh, he, he was not good at all. So if Darnold can hit his ceiling, uh, which uh, next question, Noah Pringle, I see you there. Um, I think I like Marshall. The thing is, is, Marshall has so many serious injury concerns himself. Uh, the latest knee flare-up, I think he had a surgery this offseason. That's like his fourth minor surgery. So like, if I'm drafting someone, I just am going to go Diami Brown, no matter what. Like If all these hypotheticals come through, then I think Terrence Marshall does have the most value, hypothetically. But I'm worried he's never going to end up fully piecing it together, being healthy, um, as much as I like the player when he is that way. There's just if you can't hold up in college, I don't know if you're going to hold up at the pros. So I, I like Diami Brown from just drafting straight up in a uh, a draft right now for rookies. Sam Donald's right around QB 24, 25, Noah. And that's not necessarily a slight on him. It's just how deep quarterback is this year. Um, but it, 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 I should preface that by saying he's in like 24 quarterbacks. I could see being a top 12 guy because of the weapons around him, because Joe Brady, I think, is the real deal, because he does have a crazy elastic arm if and when he's got the right people. They've beefed up the line. They've done it the right way, uh, building around Darnold to give him a real shot. And if he doesn't pan out, they have a nice support system, a nice nest for whoever the future guy is. But they've given that to Darnold, which he never had in New York. I can't judge somebody. Look at all the – whether it's Tannehill, whoever it might end up being under uh, Adam Gase – there's a huge track record of these people panning out huge afterwards. So uh, I, I have him as a top 25-ish quarterback, which isn't anything bold, uh, but he's one of those reasons why I feel comfortable waiting on QB. If he's my QB two or, or three, if I'm taking a, a third round dart throw and a QB three dart throw, I like him a bit. I, and it's more so I like everything around him rather than him. And that's why he's a little bit lower is when, when it's not a guy I'm betting on. It's more so his situation. Those tend to hit less than like if it's a talent you truly love as well. Uh, but I do love everything about his situation. I, to me though, those guys go in Ryan Fitzpatrick's range. I have him 10 spots above any of these guys. Like I, I'm just going to take Ryan Fitzpatrick over any of these guys um, in that late round range. Pitts is a wide receiver with tight end. That's exactly right, Jerry. Uh, they'll have Hayden Hurts and that, you know, yeah, doing whatever garbage he did last year. But yeah, Pitts is going to, you can't really even look at him as a tight end. I'm worried they might even strip his tight end eligibility when we realize he's going to be a wide receiver all year. I don't think you can do that at this point. Uh, but if they do that mid-season or something, how annoying would that be? If he's playing all the snaps at wide receiver, you could see ESPN or uh, Yahoo, they track those snaps so you know, religiously. What if he gets a, a tight end, you know, switches from wide receiver from tight end to wide receiver? I would hate that because the tight end is so much harder to find talent at. Uh, as a Chiefs fan, absolutely excited for sure. Powell, our rookie's looking good. Oh, good to know. Uh, Cornell Powell out of, uh, what, Clemson there? Certainly a target void. He's good to know in dynasty drafts. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. And thank you for the, the kind words. Uh, we're very lucky. We've gotten some great guests these last couple of years. And we have some great ones lined up for July. Uh, so definitely keep coming on and keep interacting. Uh, th- this is the best time of the year. I'm on summer break starting today or starting late last week. Um, and the content really does start to pick up even more. So stay tuned. We got a lot coming. I'm going to be on a vacation coming up uh, from 622 to 629, uh, going to California, actually, San Diego. So I'm going to be a, a little bit of a break. 
um, and then hitting that ground running and just crushing it from July to the end of August. So, so be ready there. Um, awesome. Guard top six to eight tight end. I'm waiting to see Zach Ertz get moved before I officially declare, but that seems like that's all said and done at this point. So yeah, I, I'm confident there. I love the player. He didn't do great with Jalen Hurts, though, that switch. I don't know what this new coaching staff's tendency is with tight ends. I believe it's like, you know, right in the middle of the pack. So, uh, you know, I like him. To me, I, it's either Hawkinson or I'm kind of waiting, though. Um, or I'm getting Kelsey. I, most often, I should say, I'm, I have Kelsey at, what, four overall on my big board. So, if I, as long as I don't have a top three workhorse, I have Kelsey in anyways, and I don't even really think about tight ends. So that's why I'm a little bit, like, off of my tight end projections right now. I am going to be, as I was saying though, with Mike, I, I'm going to be making my own projections and just seeing how they do this year. Um, maybe when I'm on, you know, vacation up in Maine, middle of nowhere, I can project every team out and we'll see what happens. Let's see how look at Marvin Jones on the Jags. I mean, good quarterback, right? But what an ugly, like wide receiver situation. Is it Chark number one? Is it Visco? Who's the one getting all the hype right now in camp? Is ETN going to take over that Percy Harvin role? I think he's going to be you know, kind of what he's been with the Lions, but even less consistent. And that is, you know, a couple of these huge games. He'll definitely have a two, three touchdown day. So best ball wise, he'll get into your lineup at some point. I think it's going to be even more mind you know, numbing this year. Now, if anyone's going to just step up and end up being an alpha there, maybe it could be him. He's the veteran of the group. I do love him as like a hard worker, that type of mentality, like get the lunch pail type of guy. Uh, but Overall, I don't think Marvin Jones has the the rosiest of outlooks there. I think it's a pretty tough target share to say this guy is truly going to get a major slice to make a big impact that you can rely on. How early should one Mitchell Chavez target Robert Woods? See him having a, I love him. I, I'm with you. Top 10, at least top 15. I mean, he's been, I think, top, I, I, th- I think he's been top 18 for like three or four straight years, right? And now he gets his best quarterback of the, the Sean McVay era. Uh, I think this offense truly could go berserk. And if they do, you know, Robert Woods is going to be a big part of that. I think him, Cooper cup. I love them all fourth round on the fact that you get those guys and, and acres. If he becomes the new Todd Gurley for McVay in this new explosive offense. Um, I love Robert Woods. I, I anywhere in round four beyond that's, you know, uh, if Terry McLaurin's there, I'm going to take him first, but I think I have Robert Woods right after him at like wide receiver, 14, 15 range. Um, is right where I have him. So I could definitely see that top 10, top 15. Uh, and the fact that you get it in round 10 is, is what I love. Will you add full PPR or standard? Uh, I can only view half. I think so, Daniel. You know, it, it depends on the time that I have. Um, that's always been a long goal of mine. My first goal is to get true, true, genuine projections. So that way you could kind of filter it and see, okay, full PPR. This is what this guy would score. Standard, this is what this guy would score in half. And I think that would kind of inherently like bake in rankings by making projections. Um, so that's my first goal of the summer is to make those projections first. Um, but eventually, yes, I'd like to make that. Um, thanks, Wolf. Great shots to take on Bateman and Moore. I was definitely thinking of them, but also thoughts on Ruggs, Campbell, Gage. I love Gage. I mean, that's an easy one, right, with Julio Jones leaving. He was so inefficient on his volume. I think it was the stat out there, like only A.J. Green was less efficient uh, in terms of receivers that saw hundred plus targets. So he's not that exciting of a player. Certainly not as exciting as like a Henry Ruggs, right? And all these reports, Ruggs is really getting it now. I'll believe that when I see it, I'm not in John Gruden. Those receivers have been a mess for years now. So I, I see the talent there. And if it all clicks, like, of course, betting on talent that late certainly pans out. Um, I'm going with the other guys though. in that that same range, 
Paris Campbell really came on strong early in that year, right? That week one before he got hurt. So I could definitely see that. Well, you know, I like that bet. I, I don't love Wentz right now. I don't know what to make of him. So that's a little tricky. But yeah, I think those guys are both really interesting names. Let me pull up my uh, big board real quick, Paul. Um, because those those two names, Ruggs and Campbell, a long shot, as I was talking about guys that could just like ultimately lead their league, their team and targets, like that could be, well, Ruggs isn't going to ascend for Waller, but in terms of leading their, their wide receiver cores in targets, I guess I should say. You could see that for Campbell taking over for T.Y. Hilton if he's fully healthy. Uh, you could see that for Henry Ruggs taking over. Uh, Who is even the number one? John Brown there? Like, uh, I could see it. But I prefer more. I prefer Bateman for sure. Uh, let me just pull up my my wide receivers here. And uh, I'll give you like a true, genuine uh, big boy. And you can find all these rankings, folks, if you're wondering uh, what my guys are, RoshiJournal.com. Your breed and feed fantasy wolves is where you can find all this stuff or in our trusty little app. Uh, we have huge improvements in the works for the summer, but get that early version of our app. It's very clean, our ranking. So Robert Woods, by the way, I have at 16, um, right below Evans and Godwin, but I might flip that, to be honest, uh, Mitch, if you're still out there. But in terms of late-round receivers, um, yeah, Bateman, you know, Russell Gage, I have higher than consensus. Uh, Darnell Mooney, that's one I wanted to shout out with the deep accuracy of Justin Fields. I think he's the fifth most accurate deep passer of the last like decade, according to Pro Football Focus. How many times have we seen Mooney streaking wide open down the field only to have it sail behind him or over his head? It was just a disgusting situation. So I think that's going to make a world of difference. So I absolutely love um, Darnell Mooney. I did like Cole Beasley as a late round target till lately. Good Lord, what's happening there? Uh, what a sick human being. Some of those things he's tweeting out. Um, but yeah, Elijah Moore, love him. He's going to get bumped up. I got to update my rankings uh, to show him. And uh, all these rookies, Rondell Moore. Um, and the last one, I guess I'll toss out there is Traquan Smith uh, for the Saints. You know, MT, obviously the clear number one, but behind him, it's a pretty wide open situation. Yeah, Kamara too, of course, but whether it's Troutman, whether it's uh, Traquan, somebody else is going to have to step up and, and catch some passes there. Uh, but I, I got to update this big board. Now I'm looking at it for sure. Um, redraft, my man tunes. How much of a hit does Fields take with Nagy saying he's not the starter? No, it's early, but I feel like they won't be keep, able to keep him off the field. I'm with you, Tunes. I think, you know, that's just semantics. Like, feed Dalton to the, the Rams, let Aaron Donald destroy him, and then it's going to be you know, Justin Fields. I, I'm not even convinced that Justin Fields won't be the starter come the season. Like, he just gives your team such a better chance to win than Andy Dalton. Come on. Um, so I, I put no stock in that because if I'm taking Fields in redraft – I'm taking him as my QB two anyways. Like no one's drafting him. Like I'm going to start him from week one against the Rams. Right. So I love him as a QB two. As soon as I have a Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I know is going to at least start the season hut, like give me Justin Fields all day or Trey Lance, love them both. Um, So not, none at all. I, I, I wasn't drafting him to be my week one starter. So these reports that Nagy's being a little douche don't, don't change that for me. He's kind of stream live in Cali wearing a roto sleeveless. Absolutely, right? <laughs> that tank top. I got it in my uh, suitcase. First thing I packed, Tunes. Maybe I'll do a quick uh, best ball draft on the phone and uh, stream you guys in. Love it. Um, there. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. I will absolutely have a great vacation. I cannot wait. 
with Julio leaving, I see more work for Mike Davis over Gage. Thoughts? Uh, I think it does open up work for both of them. I don't know why it would 100% just go to Davis over Gage. I would assume more so. To me, Tunes, it's, it's actually Kyle Pitts. Like He's the one that fills that Julio Jones big body, leap over people, get open, you know, open at will anywhere on the field type of guy. It's really Pitts for me. And I think that's kind of might be assumed in your question, like, you know, who outside of Pitts, right? Uh, benefits from Julio. So yeah, I, I think it goes to both of them. Um, Gage is kind of strictly a slot guy we saw last year. So I don't think like he's going to fill in for Julio in that role. Um, I think both of them though, see, see big volume upticks. I can't say I lean one over the other as like, this guy's clearly who I'm projecting higher for target share. That's Kyle Pitts for me. Rams running back or Mixon? I'm going, I'm going K Makers. Is there a reason you don't say his name, Mike? Uh, I'm going K Makers there, though. Mixon's burned me too many times. No way. Uh, if the Patriots retain Gilmore, who's the top defense? Pats, football team, Bucks? I really do like this Pats defense, especially I, another year of Cam does kind of sicken me. But the one benefit of that is how much clock you bleed on offense if everything's clicking. Um, and that defense isn't going to need much. I think the Pats might have the best defense, but football team, they have the probably the most talented roster if they can get cohesive there. The Bucs too scary though, right? Like the Super Bowl winning team, I cannot be on them. DJ Moore ADP seemed to be nerfed up uh, for the Wild Pack. How can we pass <laughs> pass him up in round four or later, Wolfpack? I, Robbie Anderson had the same exact target share last year. Like I, I don't know that I'm 100% into DJ Moore as much as I uh, – as I like, love the player and what we saw of him early in his career, you know, when are the touchdowns going to come? If and when they do, it's going to be monstrous. But to me, you know, DJ Moore, let me pull up you know, where I have him. I'd rather have Robert Woods there, uh, who we talked about. I'd rather have CD Lamb there. Um, I'd rather have, well, let me see, where where does DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, I talked about. Rather have him there. Um, probably Julio Jones. So, you know, these guys that go in the same price range uh, as DJ Moore. That, that's where I'm leaning. Pringle. Outlook for Sanders. Now he's on the bill, especially if Cole Beasley continues to melt down, then he's going to be someone I've already been gobbling up late in best balls. He's got a, he's going to rock it if Cole Beasley's gone. Cause he's probably the most natural fit for that inside the slot, quick shifty, but bring some speed too. He could be a beast. If, if Beasley's gone, him and Davis are going to shoot up my board. Um, if the Wolfpack can get DJ in round five, ship the chip. You're into him, Forrest. I like it. I appreciate the boldness. Um, <laughs> I know you're a DJ hater. It's okay. No, I'm not. I do like DJ more, but I also had him in like early round three last year, and he kind of burned me. He sizzled me out a little bit. So I'm I'm going with those guys. I have him at 21 overall. So I'm not like dead on him, but you know, he might I might bump him down more. I see that though. I'm not I'm not a big fan. You're right. I see pits over both. Yeah, you agree with me. Taking Antonio Brown's seventh, uh, he's starting to go there, was in the ninth. That might be a little too rich for me, Pinky the Doormat. Um, trying to think of like a popular name I often will take there instead of AB. Um, that's where I think, you know, I often am landing like a Jarvis Landry, right? Something a little bit safer. You know who I'm always getting in round seven, actually? That's Devontae Smith. I'd take over AB over them. I think he's going to walk right in, be the Eagles, you know, 150 target guy. And we're going to look back and be like, why didn't we have him in our top 20 last year? What were we all thinking? Love me some Devonta Smith in that range. That's where I'm going. Um, Wolf, Elliot over Chubb asks Mike Marvin. I prefer, oh, that's tough because Chubb is just like the man. 
like beast, pure steamrolling runner. I absolutely love Nick Chubb. Um, but in terms of like who can do more because they're not trapped in a committee, that's a Zeke Elliott uh, in this offense. So I think I'm going Zeke five, Chubb seven, you know, Barkley sandwich right in between them. I might go Chubb over Barkley though. I'm a little bit wary of Barkley's injury history. Um, love San Fran backs. I mean, how can you not change, right? The number one and three team in backfield points the last couple of years as a whole backfield. But as you say, you know, who's going to get them every, even you're entering the season. It's never the same guy by the end of the season, never the same guy by like week three. I do think sermon could really change that narrative. Cause we've seen Kyle Shanahan stick to a guy before Steve Slayton had like 1800 total yards and 15 touchdowns under him. Like I can see that happening. Um, but it's, it is tricky because Mostert I love when he's healthy. I think Sermon's the guy I'm really going in on though. And I think the price is fair. Like, you can get him around eight or so. It, that's fair for a guy that could end up being Shanahan's next great workhorse because we know how great the system is. If we can get consistent volume now, it's going to be game over. Whoever that would be, would be a league winner. Um, he could boom. I, I do not pr- pr- pretend for us that there's no upside, especially with Samuel gone. Like he should be getting those manufactured touches. DJ Moore. He should be going to the backfield. He should be going to the slot. That should be his role. Um, and if he does, he could boom. If he, if the touchdowns finally follow what he's capable of, you know, I, I, I could love him for sure. He finished last year at wide receiver 21 and missed a game. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty appropriate. Uh, you're welcome, Mike. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Jerry, what's up? Deep sleeper breakout. Mine is Brian Edwards. He could take over. I'm I'm done with Edwards. I he he was way too much hype last year. I'm not gonna fall for that one again. Maybe he does. Maybe he does, Jerry. That won't be it for me. Uh, if we're looking at receiver, really deep sleepers. I know we got asked a question earlier. Like you know, I don't know if Elijah Moore is deep enough for you. I don't know if um, you know who are some other names out there. Darnell Mooney. That that's a guy I shouted out there. I don't know if he's deep enough for you. Um. Oh, also in that range, by the way, the seventh, eighth round range, I'm starting to gobble up Mike Williams all the time, taking over that X role that made Mike, you know, Mike Thomas. I know Mike Williams isn't Mike Thomas, but if he gets that X role from, you know, Joe Lombardi coming over from the Saints, and that's what they're hyping him up as. I'm going to write about him today. Uh, but I did some research, loving Mike Williams these days. Um, but like, if that's not deep enough for you, Darnell Mooney, uh, Elijah Moore, then I really like Emmanuel Sanders' draft price right now, especially with Cole Beasley and uh, Gabriel Davis. I like targeting that offense. I like Traquan Smith a lot. Um, you know, Houston, who could end up being number one there? Like B. Jack saying Nick, Nico Collins, maybe him. Um, I like those guys as like really, really deep. I really like going either Deshaun Jackson and or Tutu Atwell for the Rams because those guys are going to be uh, um, killing it. Those guys are going to be going deep down the field for him. So I, I like that as well. Uh, Mike Williams from the Chargers. On, no, he's not on the Saints, but Joe Lombardi came over from the Saints, uh, their former quarterback coach, to put in a similar system. He's already talked about how they have Mike Williams in the Mike Thomas role uh, from the Chargers. He's, he's not, unless he got traded this morning, and I missed that completely. Uh, he is on the, he's on the Chargers. <laughs> and he's going to be playing the Mike Thomas role, which, of course, Keenan Allen's going to see more volume. Alex Texas is going to see more volume. But still, um, there. Nico Collins, uh, you talk about could ultimately take over there. Uh, so yeah, I see that. John Brown still a start if he's healthy. Maybe it's like with the Raiders. It's like he's not with the, the the Bills anymore. So 
maybe uh, tunes, but uh, I, I that's just an offense other than Waller. I don't really want a piece of. So I don't know. I like I like Tyrell Williams. I, I like Bashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams. I think one of them will emerge as their number one. I'm not sure which one, but yes, I, I totally agree that. Um, any weight and Beasley's threatening to retire. I mean, you got to put something on, on there, right? Tunes like it's a data point. Should he retire over the COVID restrictions? One, how incredibly stupid and selfish of him. Like I, whatever your beliefs are, you know, whether you want the vaccine or not, like if, if the NFL like is going to just let you play and you just need to get a shot, just go freaking do it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess that's the debate for another time. And it's not for this podcast, I guess, but why are you really going to sacrifice that much time, the chance at a Super Bowl with this roster at the right time because you can't get a shot? Like, to me, I'm I'm kind of on the train of the people that, like, it's an inconvenience, like a seatbelt. Just go, you for the good of yourself and others, just go do it and, and be done with it, right? Like, why is he making a big deal of it? That's my opinion. But the fact that he is making a big deal of it tells me there should be some weight to it. If he, if he can't see it as it's just, like, that common sense of, let me go win a Super Bowl uh, and take a shot to be able to do that and not think twice, like... I don't get it. So yes, there should be some weight to it. If he's that kind of loony to recognize the opportunity he has right now and to not, you know, take that because of a shot. I don't know. Uh, Wolf, who are some of your deep rookie running back stashes? Any Robinson 2021? Love the shows. Johannes, thank you so much. I see your comments on the posts and everything. So greatly appreciated. Um, some deep running back sleepers. I mean, yeah, I don't love Robinson. And, and we talked about Mike, if he's going around four, some people were saying like that, I'll never have him on a team. Um, there's recent rumblings that he's going to, uh, you know, uh, be the early down, lead the team in snaps, like all that stuff. But then they also talk about involving Hyde. Like, I'm not a big Robinson fan. Now, if I'm looking at like, deep running back sleepers after those guys are going me. I still think Javante Williams is going way too late. Same with Michael Carter, like around seven, eight. That's not that late. Um, and I like James Conner, given how often they like to run in the red zone, the Cardinals. I think he has, you know, sneaky 10 touchdown upside um, there. But when you're getting late, you're looking at like maybe Gus Edwards, who has some standalone value, but also if anything happens to Dobbins, he's going to be the guy. I like Gus Edwards a lot. Uh, Latavius Murray, you know, if anything happens to Kamar, we've seen him be a true league one, uh, you know, league winning running back. I think Jamal Williams is so undervalued right now, given that they've departed over 300 targets. We know Anthony Lynn loves throwing to his running backs, even when Eckler went out with the Chargers. They still peppered the position. Even when Rivers was gone, they still peppered the position. So it's not just like a, it was an Eckler thing. It was a Rivers thing. It was an Anthony Lynn thing too. So I think you know, Jamal Williams is going to see a ton of volume this year alongside DeAndre Swift. So those are a couple names I like uh, late. Um, and then uh, Daryl Henderson, you know, if anything happens to Akers, who's in his way of taking over that role? And last one I'll give you here, Johannes, uh, I love Giovanni Bernard being that, you know, a lot of people have already pointed out, maybe he's the next James White for the Tom Brady over there in Tampa Bay. I could see him catching, you know, six, six, uh, 60 balls or so. Um, glad you brought up big Mike in the X role. Doesn't that Mike Thomas uh, role fit Keenan Allen? I agree. I think that's why it's not just like an automatic, like X role. Nope. Now Keenan Allen's seen a hundred, you know, targets de decrease and Mike Williams getting them all. No, you can't do that. I agree with Mike Thomas, you know, in terms of the slants, in terms of the quick stuff, like Keenan Thomas is perfect for that. He's going to be that engine. Yes. Um, but still, you know, even just seeing Mike Tom, Mike Williams bounce up to like a hundred targets, right. Or 120. Imagine that he's got some talent. You see it every week. He, he flashes that. Um, so 
I, I would just love to see what this guy could do with the right volume. I'm, I'm totally um, bringing that heat. For real, it's going to be the year of a sneaky RB3. That's really uh, the handcuff. I have a feeling this gear is going to be really fruity in that sense. Yeah, totally could be. Uh, a lot of sneaky like third running backs that end up being the actual handcuff type of thing, um, for sure. Thank you, Tunes, for being here. You have a good one as well, brother. Uh, three, we're talking three hours late to the problem. Of that. <laughs> uh, I like it. You like Jamal Williams, Jamar Jefferson, rookie for the Lions. Okay, I'll check that out for sure. Force Law, awesome interaction all day. You the man. Appreciate you guys. I teach up in Massachusetts. There's a town called uh, North Andover that I'm in. I teach high school special ed up here. Um, where about you from Forrest? You can come on uh, Billy Madison my class. I love it. If you live anywhere near uh, North Andover, Massachusetts, that's where you can find me. But not for a few months at least. Uh, it's going to be a nice nice summer off. Well, Wolfpack, what an awesome mailbag, you know, to have Mike Clay on for 30 minutes and then still be here 35 minutes later because you guys are the fucking best asking such great questions. I really, 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 truly appreciate it. Um, we'll be doing this a ton this summer. As I said, I'm going to be off the next week from here on out. Uh, but once I'm back the 29th, we're going to be live at least two to three times a week, uh, getting on some, some great beat writers, some more experts like these, these fantasy monsters we've been having. We have a great schedule lined up this summer. Uh, and as always, I like to answer all your questions after the, the guest leaves to respect their time, but still be able to interact with you guys. That's what I love. Um, you can find all our content at rotarygenome.com. We breed and feed fancy wolves. If you want podcast specific notes uh, and highlights, you can find those at ffbdpod.com, fancy fullback dive podcast. We paved your path to 2021 titles. If you prefer audio, you can find us everywhere you listen rather than these live streams. Um, and me, myself at Rose Street Wolf. You can find me on Twitter, answer all your questions, your DMs, they're open. Hit me up anytime, guys. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, hey, Forrest Law, I appreciate that. Uh, you did a great job as long as you charge it off. I appreciate that, man. Um, you know, I, I like to think I'm a good person. Uh, at least they, they give me a moral compass, being a teacher like that. <laughs> it's, it's good grounding to have. Um, but thank you so much for your kind words. I appreciate that. Wolfpack, in a world full of fantasy sheep, be the wolf. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. <laughs>